The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Welcome to Season 2 of Terry's Mysterious Moments. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you find something interesting. Or maybe something spooky. Or maybe something just... Mysterious. Good evening, everyone. This is Terry from Texas with a new episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments. This will be the second story about haunted Washington, D.C. We ended last time talking about the spirit of William Henry Harrison and the spirit of John Tyler and the spirit of Francis Folsom Cleveland, who was Grover Cleveland's bride in the White House, who all seemed to haunt the White House in one place or another. Well, let's jump on in with this new story because I think it may have legs and we may have more than another story out of it. So let's just see what we've got. The White House is also said to be visited by three specters that have no real reason being there other than they were there. One of them is a man named David Burns. David Burns is important because he owned the property that the White House was built on. But he did sell it to the United States in May of 1791. And his spirit has been seen in the Oval Office. A reporter even told a security guard that during the Truman administration, while he was standing in the yellow Oval Room, he heard a faint ghostly voice which said, I'm Mr. Burns. The second spirit is supposed to be a British soldier from the time of the War of 1812. What's significant about that is that in 1814, a combined British land and naval force captured Washington, D.C. 
and they set fire to the White House, the Treasury Building, the Capitol Building, and other buildings in retaliation for the United States Army having come in and looted and burned York, Upper Canada, and their Parliament Building of Upper Canada. That was after the Battle of York in 1813. York is now what is known as Toronto. Somebody was looking out for us because the fires were put out when a hurricane and a tornado passed through Washington the following day and it put out the fires. The soldier is supposed to be one of those soldiers who burned down the White House. Maybe he lost his life the next day in the storm. Another shade or spirit or ghost alleged to visit the White House is the daughter of Mary Surratt, the Lincoln conspirator who was hung by the U.S. government. The daughter's name was Anna Surratt, and she went the night before her mother was to be hung and forced her way into the White House and unsuccessfully begged for her mother's life. It is claimed by some White House staff that Anna's ghost returns to the White House every July 6th, silently banging on the front door to seek entrance and continue her futile pleas for her mother's life. There's a place called President's Park in Washington, D.C., and it's also known better as Lafayette Square, and it may have its own spectral resident, Philip Barton Key II, who was the son of Francis Scott Key, who wrote The Star-Spangled Banner, and the nephew of Chief Justice Roger B. Taney, In the spring of of 1858, Key began having an affair with Teresa Baggioli Sickles, the wife of his friend Dan Sickles, who was a Union officer in the Civil War. On February 26, 1859, Sickles learned of the affair. The following day, he saw Key in Lafayette Square signaling to his wife. Sickles rushed out into the park, drew a pistol, and shot the unarmed key three times while the other man pleaded for his life. Good show of mercy there, Mr. Uh, Sickles. Key was taken into the nearby Benjamin Ogle Taylor house and died moments later. Key's spirit, eyewitnesses and authors claim, now haunts Lafayette Square and can be seen on dark nights near the spot where he was shot. We have an interesting tie-in here. Benjamin Ogle Taylor, the house where the owner of the house where Key was taken into and, and later died. He will come up, uh, his name will come up in another story. Not particular him, but his family name will come up in another story in a little bit. By the way, Sickles got completely off from shooting Mr. Key. A place called Decatur House is allegedly haunted by the ghost of Stephen Decatur. Stephen Decatur was a naval officer. In 1820, a Commodore... Now, I don't know what these ranks are. I've never really followed the naval ranks, especially the older naval ranks. But Commodore James Barron challenged Commodore Decatur to a duel over comments Decatur had made regarding Barron's conduct 
in what is known as the Chesapeake Leopard Affair of 1807. Now I looked it up and apparently Barron was in charge of I think the Chesapeake and the British were in charge of the leopard. They got into a fight out on the water and the Chesapeake was boarded without too much problem. The two men dueled on my... And if I got that story wrong, please forgive me. I'm just trying to remember what I had read. The two men dueled on March 20th and Decatur was mortally wounded in the stomach. He was rushed back to his home and died there on March 22nd. See, that's the bad thing about dueling back then. It took you a while to die sometimes. A year after Decatur's death, his ghost reportedly began appearing at the house, standing in a second floor window, looking out at H Street Northwest, or leaving the back door of the house with a box of dueling pistols. He's going to try to get it right. So many witnesses saw the specter of Decatur that the window was walled up. Some people have also claimed that they can hear his widow, who became hysterical at his death, weeping in the house. We move on to St. John's Episcopal Church, built in 1816. It's the second oldest structure on the President's Park. The church has a tradition of a President's Pew, which is reserved for the use of the President of the United States. The church's bell was purchased from the Revere Company of Boston, founded by the son of Paul Revere, whose name was Joseph Warren Revere, and it was installed on November 30, 1822, where it still hangs. According to two accounts, whenever the bell tolls because of the death of a notable person, six ghostly men in white robes appear in the president's pew at midnight and then vanish. That's something I would really like to sit there and see. Just just to see it. See if we can identify who they were. Moving on to the Cuts Madison House, which is also known as the Dolly Madison House, was constructed in 1822 by Richard Cuts, who was the brother-in-law of First Lady Dolly Madison. After ex-president James Madison died in 1836, Dolly Madison took up residency in the house and lived there until her death in 1849. In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun. Live Boricua. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Rear Admiral Charles Wilkes purchased the home in 1851. Wilkes moved the entrance from Madison Place Northwest to H Street Northwest 
and then turned the porch on the west side of the house, facing Madison Place, into a window. Witnesses from the mid-19th century onward have claimed to have seen the ghost of Dolly Madison rocking in a chair in the space where the porch used to be, smiling at passers-by. We move on downtown. The Octagon House. This is the place where the Taylor name comes back into play. It's located at 1799 New York Avenue Northwest, and it is reported to be the most haunted home in D.C. It was built in 1801 by a colonel, John Taylor. That's T-A-Y-L-O-E, the third. The Taylors were a greatly distinguished Virginia family. His grandfather, Colonel John Taylor, was a member of the King's Council in Virginia and owner of more than 3,000 acres of land, which was a huge estate at the time. And his father, Colonel John Taylor II, built the historic Mount Airy Manor house in 1758 and was also a member of the King's Council. John Taylor III was a close friend of George Washington's and Washington convinced Taylor to build a winter home in the new city of Washington. There is some evidence that the walled backyard of the octagon itself may have served as a slave market. And it is well established that the rear of the building housed the Taylor's family slaves. The Taylor family was exceptionally well connected and their home was an important one in the city. After the burning of the White House in the War of 1812, President James and First Lady Dolly Madison lived there from September 1814 to October 1815, and Madison signed the Treaty of Ghent, which ended the war there in 1815. Apparitions in the presence of otherworldly forces have been seen and felt in many places at the Octagon, including on the spiral staircase, the second floor landing, the third floor landing, the third floor bedroom, and the garden area in the rear. Among the eyewitnesses have been members of the public and curators and other employees hired by the museum which owns the house. Two of Colonel Taylor's daughters are said to haunt the octagon. The first, according to reports, died before the War of 1812. Colonel Taylor and his daughter quarreled on the second floor landing over the girl's relationship with the British officer stationed in the city. When the girl turned in anger to go down the stairs, she fell down the stairs, or over the railing, depending on which story you listen to, and died. Her specter is allegedly seen crumpled at the bottom of the steps or on the stairs near the second floor landing and sometimes exhib exhibits itself as the light of a candle moving up the staircase. The other death, stories claim, occurred in 1817 or shortly thereafter, another one of Colonel, Colonel Taylor's daughters eloped with a young man, incurring her father's wrath. When she returned home to reconcile, they argued on the third floor landing. This daughter, too, fell to her death down the stairs or over the railing, and her shade is alleged to haunt the third floor landing and stairs between the second and third floors. The octagon is also believed by some to be haunted by the spirits of African-American slaves who once lived there. When the house held bells to summon servants, 
The spirits of the dead slaves would announce their presence by ringing these bells loudly. The ghostly bell ringing first occurred in the 1870s. General George D. Ramsey, Chief of Ordnance for the United States Army and Commander of the Washington Arsenal in Washington, D.C., was attending a dinner at the Octagon when all the bells in the house began ringing. As Marion Governor, wife of Samuel Lawrence Governor, Jr., who was the first American consul in Fuchao, China, related the story, General Ramsey seized the bell ropes to stop the bells from ringing. But to everyone's shock, they did not stop. Although Governor's report was not made until 1911, the mysterious ringing of the bells had been reported in 1874 and again in 1889, each time attributed to the spirits of dead slaves. Other spirits were also said to remain at the octagon as well. Dolly Madison's spirit has been seen near the fireplace in the main ballroom as well as heading through a closed door to the garden. And her ghost's presence is accompanied by the smell of lilacs, her favorite flower. A slave girl in the house was allegedly thrown from the third floor landing to the first floor below and killed by a British soldier during the War of 1812, and eyewitnesses have reported hearing her scream. The specter of a British soldier in War of 1812 dress was seen by caretaker James Cypress in the 1950s, and Museum Superintendent Ulrich H. Clay claimed that in the 1960s, spirits would often turn on the lights and open the octagon's doors late at night. A gambler shot to death in the house's third-floor bedroom in the late 19th century has sometimes been still seen in the bed where he died, and ghostly footmen have been seen at the front door waiting to receive guests. Various witnesses have also reported hearing assorted moans, screams, and footsteps. The spirits of slaves are also said to haunt a portion of Independence Avenue Southwest the site of two of the city's largest and most notorious slave markets. The Yellow House, or William Slave Pen, now the site of the headquarters of the Federal Aviation Administration, was the most notorious slave pen in the capital. A modest, well-maintained, two-story yellow house concealed a very large basement in which slaves were chained to walls in windowless rooms while a 30-square-foot yard surrounded by a 12-foot high brick wall provided space for the training and selling of slaves. Another large slave market, the Roby Slave Pen, was just a block away at the corner of 7th Street Southwest and Independence Avenue Southwest. Bad names for these places. On dark nights, witnesses say they have heard the clinking of chains and screams on Independence Avenue where these slave pens used to operate. The intersection of 7th Street Northwest and 8th Street Northwest is in the heart of DC's Chinatown neighborhood, but prior to the 1930s it was populated primarily by German immigrants. Before the American Civil War, 7th Street Northwest was the city's primary commercial district and the street was lined with three-story federal-style townhouses with shops on the ground floor and residences above. 
The former boarding house owned by Mary Surratt has been extensively remodeled over the years and at this point is housing a Chinese restaurant, but it may also house Mary Surratt's spirit. From the 1870s onward, occupants of the building have claimed that Surratt's spirit is responsible for the incomprehensible mumbling and whispers, footsteps, muffled sobs, and creaking floorboards, which have unnerved them. At least three other sites in downtown D.C. are also reputed to be haunted. The National Theater, opened at its current location on Pennsylvania Avenue on December 7, 1835, although the old building was torn down and replaced with the current structure in 1923. Nevertheless, some claim the theater is haunted by the ghost of actor John McCullough, who was murdered in the 1880s by a fellow thespian, where the modern stage is located today. The spook was first sighted by Frederick Bond, a comic actor and a friend of McCullough's, in September of 1896. Bond was on the stage late at night, reviewing preparations for the next day's performance when he felt a spectral presence that terrified him. He then saw a ghostly figure dressed in the traditional garb of the Shakespearean character Hamlet. Recognizing the spirit, he shouted McCullough's name, and the ghost vanished. The National Building Museum, 401 F Street Northwest, is allegedly haunted also. Built in 1887 in order to process pensions for Civil War veterans, widows, and orphans, the Pension Building, as it was originally known, contained 15 Corinthian columns made of brick and plaster and painted to imitate black onyx. Security guards and other witnesses have claimed that the swirling colors of the columns can change to form the outlines of people who have recently died or who had ties to the building. When in use as the headquarters of the Superior Court of the District of Columbia in the 1940s, night watchmen reported seeing a man on horseback on the upper floors where horses used to be quartered during the Civil War. They also reported seeing the ghost of James Tanner, a stenographer who took down the testimony of eyewitnesses after the assassination of President Lincoln at Ford's Theater. These stories gained such prominence that mystery writer Margaret Truman mentioned them in one of her novels. You've probably heard somewhere in history about the Hay Adams Hotel. Well, it may also play host to a woman named Marion Clover Hooper Adams. She was the wife of a man named Henry Brooks Adams. He was a 19th century novelist, journalist, historian, and smart person. And he was the grandson of John Quincy Adams. She married Henry in 1872 and in 1877, the couple moved to Washington, D.C and rented the Slidell House on H Street Northwest. Their home became a salon for the capital's upper crust and politically powerful. In 1888, the Adamses purchased, the Adams family, <laughs> that's good, the Adamses purchased a lot on the northwest corner of 16th Street Northwest and H Street Northwest on Lafayette Square and with their friend John Hay began building the famous Hay Adams Hotel. Marion Adams's beloved father 
to whom she was exceptionally close, died on April 13th of 1885, and she sank into a deep depression. Just months before she was to occupy her spacious and luxurious new home, Adams committed suicide on December 6th, 1885, by swallowing potassium cyanide. To mark her grave in Rock Creek Cemetery, Henry Adams commissioned sculptor Augustus St. Gaudens and architect Stanford White to create the haunting Adams Memorial with its hooded, robed, androgynous figure formerly titled Mystery of the Hereafter and the Peace of God that Passes Understanding, but which is commonly called Grief. The Hay Adams houses were raised in 1927 and the Hay Adams Hotel built over the site. Although Marion Adams never lived in the house where the Hay Adams Hotel is today, some hotel staff say her specter haunts the site. Housekeepers and other staff have reported being hugged by an invisible presence as well as hearing a woman sobbing. Other mysterious occurrences attributed to the Adams specter include locked doors opening and closing, clock radios turning on and off, and a woman's voice whispering, What do you want? A few witnesses say the ghost is accompanied by the scent of mimosa, which is Adams' favorite scent. The incidents are located primarily on the hotel's fourth floor and occur usually during the first two weeks of December, near the anniversary of Marion Adams' death. Well, that's where I'm going to stop for now. That's going to leave us a little bit of information to go over our next show. So we'll come up with something to go along with it. I hope you've enjoyed this little bit of information about Washington, D.C. There are some very interesting stories in Washington, D.C. The buildings themselves are historical. The, the people who live there and things that happen in Washington, D.C., Again, I hope you enjoyed this one, and I hope you'll be back next week for the continuation. Maybe the conclusion, but never can tell. I want to remind you that on Mondays, you listen to Aaron Hunter with Real Paranormal Activity. On Tuesdays, you listen to Aaron Frail with Aaron's Horror Show. Wednesdays, you listen to me, Terry's Mysterious Moments. Now, Patrick Sean Jones is taking some time off from the shows. He is running for a political office in his hometown. We want to wish him well in his endeavor, and we hope to see him back pretty soon uh, as successful. And we've got some new news for you. Uh, Anybody that's paid attention to RPA the last week, you know about this, but... We have a new show that has joined us, and it comes on Saturdays. I believe it's the first Saturday of the month, and it's a video show. Yeah, so it's going to be a video format show um, along the lines of the ghost hunting shows that are on TV, but this is going to be better. Anyway, they're going to do their, they're going to present their shows the first Saturday of every month, and they may include some other clips during the month apparently i don't have all the details worked out but the other the first show i think has already been put on so look for saturdays um the first of november 
uh, December, not November, the first of December's um, airing from RPA, and that should be what you're looking for. Welcome the uh, Buried Secrets Paranormal Group, and glad to have you. Anyway, that's me for the week. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I want you to have a great week this coming week. All right? Good to have you. Good to be with you. And we'll see you next time. Good night.